minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
Oh, 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 oh,
J.M. and the A.M. Friday morning at 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM in the Catskills, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, and around the world on the web, jmtheam.org. Friday morning with Uncle Maishi, brand new from the uh, Pesach CD. That's Vahisha Amda Ding was here yesterday to introduce that brand new collection. Shlomo Katz had Yismechu. You heard Hamelech done by Simcha Liner. Yisbarach Shimcha, brand new off the Eitan Katz live in Jerusalem. Eli Schwebel, brand new with Like the Sea off of Heart's Mind. And Regesh, Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. It's Friday on this April 4th, the 4th of Nisan, Erev Shabbos, Parshas Mitzorah, candle lighting at 7.04 on this Erev Shabbos. Some synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. 7.04, official candle lighting time. In the New Jersey, New York area, 43 degrees, some showers today with a high of 43, mostly sunny for Shabbos Day with a high of 56. All right, so looks like some rain today and tonight, and then hopefully that'll be it. I hope. Let it end, and let's get into some good weather, please. <laughs> 70 right now, and you, they've got good weather there. 70 in Yerushalayim, 43 here in Jersey City, as we say good morning at JM in the AM. Well, Mazal Tov going out. To the Coppell family, Frimmy and ZK are uh, getting set for the big uh, celebration this morning in Brooklyn, New York, the bris of their brand-new baby boy. ZK, of course, our Nachum Siegel Network chief engineer for the last, oh gosh, how long is it, ZK? Is it 15 years or so? And uh, I regret not being able to be there this morning to celebrate with them. The uh, bris will happen a little later on. Uh, but we wish them the uh, very best, a big mazal tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. And um, and as soon as we uh, as soon as we uh, hear the brand new baby's name, we'll pass it along to you right here at JM in the AM. That is our intention. So mazal tov again and. Uh, to everybody who's heading over to the celebration, extend our greetings and best wishes on this Friday morning Erev Shabbos. JM in the AM with a reminder that uh, we have incredible programming on our stream all weekend long, including tomorrow night, Saturday Night Seagull being done by Avrami. That'll happen tomorrow night starting at 11, excuse me, at 10 p.m. Eastern time on our stream at jmtheam.org. And then on Sunday, JM Sunday, Matis always does an amazing job, and he'll be there live this coming Sunday at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. By Goldwasser, News from Israel, they're all included in Sunday morning show. Make sure to be tuned in on the stream, on your computer, on your app, 
on your listen line every Sunday morning starting at 7 a.m. Eastern Time to enjoy that with Matis Weingast right here at jmandtheam.org. 25 minutes before 7 o'clock. Good morning from JM and the AM.
J.M. in the A.M. Friday morning on this era of Shabbos, Parshas Mitzorah, candle lighting at 7.04. A lot of synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Uh, J.M. in the A.M. with uh, Hashem Melech. God Elbaz. With a very popular tune. That's a song that's uh, consistently... Checking in in our top nine at nine on Tuesday nights online at jmdm.org. The Breslov Bar Band with Lachado D uh, from Ben Sion Solomon. The brand new YU Maccabee CD just out. It's entitled One Day More. You heard Eshet Chayel off of that CD. The Maccabees, we say Mazal Tov to them on their brand new release from all of us here at JM and the AM. And the Werdiger family. And we extend condolences to them on the loss of Chazan David Werdiger, Baruch Kel Elyon, from the Shabbos with the Werdiger CD here at JM in the AM. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial and around the world in the web, jmintheam.org. Do we not have our uh, news from Israel coming through? Holy cow. I didn't realize that. I thought we had our news. See if we can get in the next uh, half a minute. Otherwise, we'll move into the next part of our broadcast here at JM in the AM. Oh, here we go. Mazel tov to the Weber and Dembitzer families. Perla Weber and Ushi Dembitzer married last night. Mazel tov to Paula and Palm Pilot Penny. And the extended Dembitzer and the Weber mishpachos from all of us here at JM in the AM. Wedding took place last night. Want to wish a mazel tov to Yehoshua Martin and Yitzchak Yaakov Berman, both celebrating bar mitzvahs this coming Shabbos on the Lower East Side of Manhattan. To Yaakov and Chanela Martin, to Yosef and Chani Berman, we say mazel tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. Galaitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday is next. Boker Tov from JM there. גליצאל השעה השתיים, כאן שיבל קרמי מנסור עם מה שקורה עכשיו. בעקבות המשבר במשא ומתן, ארצות הברית תבצע הערכה מחדש של תפקידה במזרח התיכון. כתבנו עידן קבלר. בביקורו ברבת בירת מרוקו אומר קרי לפני דקות אחדות, יש גבול למאמצים ולזמן שארצות הברית יכולה להשקיע אם הצדדים לא מוכנים לקחת החלטות משמעותיות וצופות פני עתיד. הרקטה נורתה בצהריים משטח רצועת עזה לעבר ישראל. כתבנו רמי שני. הרקטה נורתה לכיוון האזור שמדרום לאשקלון. היא התפוצצה סמוך לגדר המערכת בגבול עם רצועת עזה, מבלי לגרום לנפגעים או לעשב נזקים. נראה שארגוני המחבלים הפלסטינים ברצועה מנסים להוציא לפועל פיגועים במתווה של ירי תלול מסלול. נוכח כישלון המגעים המדיניים עם ישראל, אמש נורו ארבע רקטות לעבר ישראל, הן התפוצצו בשטחים פתוחים במערב הנגב. בתגובה תקף והשמיד הלילה חיל האוויר מטרות מחבלים ברצועה. אחרי יותר משלושה חודשים בתרדמת, אלוף הפורמולה אחת, מיכאל שומאכר, מראה סימנים של התעוררות. כך הודיעו היום נציגיו של נהג המרוצים. כתבתנו נעמה ארטשיק. הסוכנת המייצגת את שומאכר הודיעה כי הוא מראה סימנים של התקדמות הדרגתית וישנם אף רגעים של הכרה וערנות. שומאכר נפגע אנושות בראשו בתאונת סקי בצרפת, ומאז שרוי תחת השפעת חומרי הרדמה. 
איש העסקים אלפרד אקירוב ייחקר בשבוע הבא במשטרה לאחר ששולה זקן טענה בחקירתה שהוא העביר לה עשרות אלפי שקלים לבקשת אולמרט. מקבוצת אלרוב בבעלות אקירוב נמסר בתגובה שהכספים הועברו לזקן כחוק בתמורה לשיווק שביצעה לבתי המלון בבעלות אקירוב בירושלים. שוב, שביתת פתע בנמל אשדוד. כתבנו אלדר גילרן. הנהלת הנמל פנתה לבית הדין לעבודה לאחר שוועד העובדים הודיע שלא יאפשר כניסה או יציאה של אוניות במהלך סוף השבוע. העובדים מוחים על פגיעה לטענתם בשכרם, ומנגד בהנהלה אומרים כי מדובר בצעד פראי שיוביל לאובדן הכנסות בשווי מאות אלפי שקלים. הם מבקשים מבית הדין להוציא צווי מניעה לעובדים. בשעה האחרונה הורגשו שיבושים באספקת החשמל לכפר סבא בעקבות פגיעה במספר קווי מתח גבוה. בחברת החשמל מסרו כי התקלה טופלה, ובשעה הקרובה השיבושים צפויים להיפסק לחלוטין. תחזית מזג האוויר, עלייה קלה בטמפרטורות, ולסיום, אלפים משתתפים כעת בצעדת הגלבוע המסורתית על שם הרמטכ"ל רב אלוף משה לוי, שנערכת זו השנה ה-48 בתקופת שיא פריחתה של שמורת הר הגלבוע. מדהים, מדהים, מדהים מה שקורה פה. יש פה נופים מהממים, פרחים מקסימים, עצים, מזג אוויר נפלא, פשוט נפלא כאן. יש פה מטיילים שהגיעו מ- מכל העולם. אנחנו פה נהנים בארץ שלנו, אין כמו הארץ שלנו. אלה החדשות שעורכת טלי חזקאלי, בצוות תום ויינטראובלוק ואבי כהן.
That is the brand new Maccabees CD with a um, a song that actually uh, came out and was uh, really hot on video for a while. That's uh, Cups, Draw Ye Kra. Brand new 12-track CD from the Maccabees is entitled One Day More. Before that, Chazen Yassela Rosenblatt with Tal, which I'm dedicating to Rabbi Adler uh, of Teaneck, New Jersey. And Chazen Yassela Rosenblatt with uh, Yismachu, uh, because I am assuming that... Uh, that those selections from Rosenblatt are even better than the Chullen song. That's what I am assuming. 19 minutes after 7 o'clock, it's JM in the AM with candle lighting at 7.04 on this Erev Shabbos Parshas Mitzorah. 43 degrees, we've got showers today. The good news is that it looks like the weather will vastly improve by tomorrow. Tomorrow, mostly sunny with a high temperature of 56. Again, I remind you that candle lighting is at 7.04. And... Um, a lot of synagogues begin earlier than that, so make sure you know when things start where you are. J.M. in the A.M. with Yisrael Werdiger.
Zevi Kaufman off of the CD Language of My Soul with Lachadodi. Cheryl Werdiger before that with Lachadodi. We opened up the uh, set with the YU Maccabees and that Drawer Ye Crow. Brand new from the One Day More release that just came out. JM and the AM, good morning. By the way, the um, the Tal from the Rosenblatt Tal was sung by Cantor Yitzhak Mayor Helfgott in that earlier set. Just want to make that clear. Don't know if I was clear on that. And we'll say Tal a week from Tuesday, Bezrat Hashem. Getting closer and closer to the big holiday. 
Hey, we're also getting closer and closer to the big NORPAC mission to Washington. We're actually going to be down there to greet everybody as they get off the bus. We're going to be broadcasting that morning of the NORPAC mission, Wednesday, April 30th, from Washington, D.C. From what I hear, government officials, um, congressional leaders, and the local Washingtonians are all making the effort to try to be on the air that morning. We're being inundated with people who want to speak to this amazing audience. The mission to Washington is Wednesday, April 30th. It uh, is, a, is an incredible journey that um, allows you to meet in small groups with members of Congress, provides you round-trip transportation to Washington. All meals are taken care of, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Norpac.net has information, discounted rates for college students, discounted rates for high school students, and, of course, all parents and adults are are um, encouraged to come. One of the mission chairs for NORPAC's mission to Washington is uh, Dave Steinberg. He is with us live via telephone on this Friday morning. Dave Steinberg, welcome to JM in the AM. Good morning. Good Night. morning. A pleasure to speak with you. Hope you're uh, hope you're uh, getting revved up for the big trip to Washington later this month. I have to tell you, um, these days I eat, sleep, and uh, wake up with Norpac and go to sleep with Norpac. I can only imagine. There are a lot of issues. You know, you know. here's the question for you, Dave Steinberg, and obviously you have a lot of experience with this because uh, you've worked your way up to mission share at this point, and you've seen what could happen in the halls of Congress over the last many years. I am sure there are people out there, especially the younger ones, who are saying to themselves, is my participation going to make any difference? I walk into a congressional office, I sit down, I talk about whatever issue is important to me, whether it's Iran or uh, or uh, Israel or whatever the case may be. Is it going to make a difference? What would you say to somebody posing that question? The best way to put it is to share a story. Okay. Last year, the top issue on our mind going into the mission was uh, sanctions on Iran, as it is this year. NORPAC is talkless-oriented. I assume I don't have to translate that for your audience. <laughs> we only talk about things where there is specific issue in front of Congress. We don't talk philosophy. We only talk about specific issues. 72 hours before the mission... There was not a bill on the Senate side addressing sanctions. Unfortunately, we got lucky with 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 Siata Deshmaya with behind the scenes action. A bill was introduced less than forty eight hours before our mission. So now it's Wednesday morning. We get to Washington. We have this new Senate bill, and as you can. Uh, understand if the bill was introduced on let's call it Tuesday there were a couple of senators who had signed on as Mm co-sponsors we didn't have many I have to tell you that by the end of the day we had revved up the excitement in the Senate and this is the Senate and the Senate is a very slow moving body by the end of the week we had over 40 co-sponsors that's amazing you know we had 40 senators sign on to this bill within three days. 
one of the senators that I visited last year had not signed up on by Friday. Monday morning, I, I called the aide that I had, I had been spending time talking to, and I said, I noticed the senator hadn't signed up. And I got to tell you, by was it, was it, whether it was Tuesday or Wednesday, he was on that list. So does it make a difference? Yes. People are willing to listen to you. People are anxious to hear what we have to say. And if we make a, an impassioned argument, it will make a difference. And you're not even recommending, although I'm sure uh, it would be something you'd love to see, you're not even recommending that people need to do this 365 days a year and uh, you know lobby as much as possible and be in touch with Washington. Again, something we'd love to see, but that's not realistic. You're asking for one day for people to join in, to walk into an office, have the uh, have their uh, agenda, their opinion stated, uh, express their concern to members of Congress, and move on from there. You mentioned the Iran issue and the sanctions from last year. It continues to be the number one issue today. Uh, would you think that by the end of this month, when people walk in to discuss Iran with congressional uh, leaders and with uh, members of Congress, you think it's uh, it's something that will make an impact? We're hoping. We're hoping. You, you know, it's been 12 years since uh, President George Bush, in his State of the Union, uh, came up with the concept of the axis of evil. And if you think back, that was 2002, was, you know, remember what was going on just, you know, three months after uh, 9-11. And his words sounded... um, it was hard to. It was hard at that point to hear him, but but this is twelve years later, and you have a resurgent Iran, um, really as the primary world sponsor of terror, and the act, the actions, the belligerence of Iran over the last three to six months just gives credence to that axis of evil label, at least as far as Iran goes. Oh, no question about that. So everybody out there can play a role, young and old. Circle Wednesday, April 30th, the NORPAC mission to Washington. We'll be there. We'll give you a uh, up-close, personal look at the entire day. But we ask that everybody participate and actually come along. There'll be transportation to Washington from this area and many areas. All your uh, essentials are taken care of, including three meals that day, and you'll have an opportunity to meet in small groups of members of Congress and make a difference, as Dave Steinberg has just described. Discounts for high school and college students. Best way to register is go to the web, norpac.net, or dial 201-788-5133, 201-788-5133. Dave Steinberg, any reason to believe that this will be the largest NORPAC mission to Washington? With your help, can I have one minute just to tell you, just to give you a metaphor? Sure. You mentioned, you asked me before whether it makes sense for people to call Congress 365 days a year. Right. And I like to tell people that imagine you walked out of your house and you get to your office, you find that you don't have any money in your pocket. So what do you do? You take out the cash card, go to the bank, get some money. 
Right. That only works if you have an account, right. right? If you don't have an account, you can't go to the bank. There's no, there's, there's no way to get the money. NORPAC, going on the NORPAC mission, gives you the account. It opens the account with the bank. And then, by tending it, you, 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 have, you, you create a line of communication. It's amazing what, what it does. Um, if you have never spoken to a member of Congress or to a senior staff member, it's very, very hard to get that level of access. But if you have, if you've met them in person, if they have a face to put with your name on the email, then, then you have that bank account. And for every single person who walks into, onto the mission, walks into an office uh, on the Hill, every single person, they know that there are thousands and thousands of people standing behind them. Mm. And so, please, 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 what I want people to understand, what I want your listeners to, to understand, is that when you join us on this mission, there are, your impact is amazing. It's beyond description. Happens on Wednesday, April 30th. We encourage everyone to participate. Norpac.net or 201-788-5133. Dave Steinberg, big yeshikach to you and your staff, and we'll see you April 30th, please, God. Thank you. Tiskel I appreciate that, and a chag kosher v'sameach to you. More coming up at 22 minutes before 8 o'clock. Weekly update and more between now and 9 a.m. Keep it right here at JM in the AM.
J.M. and the A.M. That is a classic from uh, Rava Mehemna, Lechado Di. I remember when that came out. Oh, my gosh. When that came out, we were still on, uh, I think we were still in Froberg Hall in the mid-'80s in East Orange, New Jersey. Some Liner before that. We were in this building when that came out a couple of weeks ago. Eliyahu Hanavi off of the Pischili CD. Erev Shabbos Parshas Mitzora with candle lighting at 7.04. Some synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Mazal tov to the Kopel family, Frimi and ZK, the Nachum Siegel Network chief engineer for the last 15 years or so. They're making a uh, bris this morning. I regret not being able to be there, but um, we wish them the very best. A big mazal tov from all of us here at JM and the AM. Um, also want to wish a Mazel Tov to the Weber and Dembitzer families. The big wedding took place last night. Mazel Tov to Perla Weber and Ushi Dembitzer, and of course to Apollo and Palm Pilot Pinney and the extended Weber and Dembitzer families from all of us here at JMNAM. And I also want to wish a Mazel Tov, big double bar mitzvah on the Lower East Side of Manhattan this Shabbos. Mazel Tov to Yehoshua Martin and to Yitzchak Yaakov Berman. And of course to Yaakov and Chanala Martin. And Yosef and Chani Berman, Yehoshua and Yitzchak Yaakov are both celebrating their bar mitzvah this Shabbos. And we say mazal tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. I want to thank our friends at JewishWorldReview.com who continue to enthusiastically recommend our web stream to their millions of readers. Uh, if you want to see an amazing compendium of articles, news, and commentary about what's going on in this crazy world of ours, go to JewishWorldReview.com. And to make sure you have a ream of paper, you'll want to print out about, uh, you know, at least 30 or 40 of those articles before Shabbos begins. Malcolm Holmline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us for the weekly update on this Friday morning. Mr. Holmline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Oh, it's good again to be with you. And uh, not not as tired as last week after the but... <laughs> I'm pretty close to it. What happened over Shabbos Shabbos in Baltimore? Are the people in Baltimore's Jewish community just as concerned about the issues of the day as the folks that are bugging you constantly up here in the New York, New Jersey area? Yeah, but they get less opportunities to do so, so they take <laughs> advantage of it. But Baruch Hashem at the Shabbos, people were, were quite understanding. Uh, it depends how much they had to drink about how understanding they were. But... Uh, uh, no, the, such a wonderful community, wonderful people, and Baruch Hashem Tzvi and Daniela Moskowitz now are very happy and wish them many years of happiness and good health together. Yes, Mazal Tov again, and uh, I guess even down there, people are just as concerned about this amazing world of and ours. Confused. And confused, I can imagine. Well, I, it, it's no secret what the biggest question of the week is. I, I was asked it a hundred times. I would assume that means you were asked it about 10,000 times in the last few days. So I'll ask you, uh, will, in fact, Jonathan Pollard be a free man before the holiday of Passover? I don't think so. Uh, I'm afraid, and as you know, for many years on this show when we've discussed it, you know that I, I've been very involved with him, visited him in prison. We've regularly interceded with uh, the last four presidents or five, um, that it would always be tied to some larger context until at least next year when his uh, parole comes up and he is due for a parole hearing actually now, and he waived it, uh, but not because he was refusing it, as some of the reports said, but because, as I understand it, he uh, 
they're waiting for information because he has a, a legal case pending, and he wanted to wait to see the outcome of that. In the same way that there were reports that he had refused um, this to be part of the of the deal, right? Um, and said that he didn't want his treatment to come at the expense of the lives of of the people in Israel, Jews in Israel. But uh, it seems that that is was he has said that in the past. But I believe that he really said uh, that he would consider it if that would come up. I mean, obviously, he wouldn't turn it down if he's given the chance to to get out. But as you know, the deal is in free fall and uh, doesn't look like uh, this issue uh, will be resolved anytime soon, and certainly not uh, the release. And, and as you know, the White House has said all along that the president has not even considered it yet. Right, and we'll get to why it's in a free fall, the potential deal, in a moment. But let's go back for a second. So waiving the 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 right, I guess you'd call it, or the procedure to a parole hearing, you're saying it's because there's something legally that might be to his advantage to wait and have that hearing at a different time. That's what I, I, I was uh, told is the reason, uh, contrary to some of the press reports. Right. Uh, you know, it, it's 28 years. It shouldn't have to be part of a deal. It should be a humanitarian just matter, a matter of justice, and he should be let go. Uh, right. We understand. a political point, and it shouldn't be the, you know, a bargaining chip one way or the other, and then the press interpreted some of my comments saying, well, you know, he's, he's up for parole, therefore it's a, it's a, a lesser and lesser value as time goes on, because ultimately at some point he will be let go, we, we, we hope. Uh, although, as you saw from the reaction, the editorials, the vicious editorials, some of the comments uh, that this evokes, this will, will not go down very easily. Even today, the, the level of uh, intensity of feeling... Are you referring to comments by certain Jewish members of Congress? I'm not talking about them necessarily. I was talking about editorials in the Washington Post, New York Times, many other places, uh, comments made by um, by law enforcement people, former, even though there are many, many who have come out for a long time saying uh, it's time to let him go. Right. But what's clear is that the reaction will be very strong in the anti-Semites and non-anti-Semites, but people who want to take advantage of the opportunity to, to smash Israel, or others who who legitimately, and even some of the Jewish community, who feel that, uh, given this crime, that there should be no intercession uh, or extra special effort. i got to give you my perspective on this, and you may say, oh, you're such a simpleton, Siegel. Uh, you know, some people object to, I, I understand the objection of it being part of a deal, I understand that, but two things. Number one, if if in fact Israel is releasing hundreds of prisoners anyway, it, it, would, would it be that bad if in fact he was included in such a type of, type of a deal? And the other thing I would say is there are people who fear, and by the way, I, I think that's the right word, there are people who fear especially in our community, that when he is released, there will be a celebratory atmosphere in Israel and the Jewish world. And I ask you, Malcolm, is that so bad when watching all these hundreds and hundreds of murderers, prisoners be released, and in fact, every one of their releases turns into a massive party by the enemy? Very short-lived ones, and they know that they're staged. Uh, I do not believe that that will be the case. I don't think that's what he wants. I think from my discussions with him that he 
will go quietly. He will. He wants to build his life with his wife. He he has uh, been you know in isolation for seven years, in prison for more than ten thousand days. I think he wants the peace and quiet and to, to rebuild his life. He's expressed remorse. Uh, I don't think that the cases are parallel. The release of the prisoners, you know, I, I was once at a prisoner exchange where, where the, with Syria after the Six Day War, and I saw how they stood in the hilltops applauding, applauding. And when you saw just on the other side, and thank God somebody got a film of it, they took him literally and just threw him into trucks. These people, the ones, the prisoners who get out from the PA, you know, receive. Fifty or a hundred thousand dollars, and then they receive monthly pensions. Right, as noted, in... because they're really not treated. They claim they're not treated that well, not given uh, enough assistance. Um, but but we don't operate by the same rules. This is not uh, a comparable case. He wasn't a terrorist, and he will, I think, want to live a quiet life. And there, there will not be massive celebrations when he comes to Israel. Obviously, people will go and welcome their people of work. Understood. And on the first point, it, I mean, I hear where you're going with the first point, but but you you, you wouldn't you you don't you don't like the point that at least get some value for the hundreds that are being released. No, I think if he can get out, he should get out. Right. Understood. The opportunity exists, and you know, there's no there's no uh, benefit to to refusing at that right. point. But but that but the deal was never, I think, as close as as the media try to. To portray it, and and especially after the speech in Kuwait by at the Arab League by Abbas, I think he was sending a message that he was going to never going to allow the peace process, the so-called process, to go right. further, and the negotiations to yield anything real. When he he in the same way as the cartoon three knows of years ago that you will remember, but many probably don't. Mm-hmm. But uh, but when he said we're not going to have an end to claims and conflict. No recognition of the Jewish state. East Jerusalem is the capital. I mean, all of the things that he knows were either subject to negotiation, but certainly not given that he knew some were red lines. Once he said those things, then it was a message that he was never going to come to an agreement. And many people have said all along, including Palestinians, that he will never come to agreement. It's not in his DNA. He is still Arafat's 40-year associate. And the same way Arafat walked away from deals, and he has walked away from very, gen- very, or maybe even too generous offers, that it was apparent that that was exactly what the pattern was going to be again. Right. And the key here is that Israel has to, the world has to see that it was not Israel. You know, they jump on a on a, a tender offer for houses, not a new settlement, as NPR and CBS were talking about. You know, a new settlement is being built. This is Gilo. It's part of Jerusalem. It's an old tender that was reissued. The timing wasn't good, as often is the case. But uh, it, it was not some sort of a provocative act that was meant to sabotage the the, uh, the deals. And if you look at the new textbook study that came out, you see that their textbooks continue to be full of incitements, calls for violence against Jews, and right. but with, calls for violence, right. struggle, and, and talks about pre-67. Right, but with all of that, with all of that, the only reason Israel canceled this release of the 26 terrorists was because the PA goes and applies for admission to these international treaties and conventions. With everything you just described, it took that to finally have Israel say no more. No, it, it was actually before that, no, that it was over the failure to move the process since November. 
and that is what Netanyahu and others cited. It was before the application for the UN, um, the 15 UN conventions, which is a prelude to going to the to the agencies. And he said even last night or this morning that he's going to continue with that process, not going to back off something that Kerry and others raised. But Netanyahu already had said no or put off the release of the other prisoners who were supposed to be let out last Saturday night. Right. Uh, that was the deadline, saying that there's just no process. What progress? And what's the point of our continuing with gestures when there's nothing reciprocal happening? Right. Some might ask what the difference is between this one and the other three prisoner releases. Well, the first, first of all, the quality of the people was somewhat different. There were all terrorists, and many of them... Well, the guy the guy portrayed in the New York Times front page story was certainly a murderer. That's true. I said there were amongst them murders. This this group was considered even more hardcore, more vicious, whatever. <laughs> but <laughs> levels of murderers. But yes, it's level of, of terrorism. And, and he's a level one murderer. Oh, he's but, a level but two. But the the first two of the conditions were different. First of all, there were talks going on. Uh, but you've seen the, you know, you had a Secretary of State who's visited there 15 times or 16 times, has tried. And the bottom line still is that the Palestinians are not forthcoming. Israel delivered on three of the four tranches of prisoners at per, at expense, at political expense, at, at risk of security. Some of them have been rearrested or been involved in, in uh, terrorism. Uh, so the, you know, the, the Isra- Israel had every right to say at some point, what are we doing this for? Right. It was not to sabotage the peace. Israel has shown, and I think repeatedly shown, that they're willing to go the extra step. And, and Netanyahu, as you know, had a lot of opposition within his cabinet to all of this. And that's why the Pollard thing was not uh, um, a bargaining chip as much as it was a sweetener. It was to give cover to Netanyahu to be able to go to his cabinet and say, look, if you reject this, you are all strong advocates for Pollard's release. We can get Pollard in the deal as well. And that was the intention was, right. to, I believe, to sweeten the deal and and facilitate Netanyahu being able to get it through the cabinet. All right, so what's the Obama-slash-Kerry attitude now toward the PA? What will what will the U.S., I don't want to say policy, because I don't know if it's going to be big enough to be a policy, but what direction will they go in now in terms of trying to pressure the PA to sit at a table or in terms of easing up on the PA at this time? Well, right now they may just withdraw generally from this and... and um, hold back and see whether the parties themselves, or w- whether anything will happen between them directly, or whether they will call for, for Kerry to return. As you know, Israel has said that that Kerry was uh, was trying to be fair, and they they have not been critical of his of his efforts. Uh, the Palestinians have been much more, and, and as I said, the speeches that Abbas has given, some of his media appearances. I mean, he talked about the failure and. You know, Abbas is somebody who's in the tenth year of his fourth year ter- four-year term. He's he's not a, a you know honestly elected official. He sits on top of a regime of corruption. Uh, he, sits, he represents half of the group. You have the Gaza, where again we saw rockets being fired and uh, deteriorating situation between Fatah and Hamas, contrary to some of the reports. Um, and and a really interesting billboard which uh, we should talk about in Gaza. So. You know, he comes into this in a weakened position. The, the Arab League sort of gave him cover. It's what he does, exactly what Arafat did, that every time he wants to be able to say no to something like Jewish State, he runs to the Arab League, gets a resolution to say, oh, it's not me, you know. Jerusalem is, is a billion people have to vote on any concessions we would make on Jerusalem.
It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial and around the world in the web, jmnam.org. Malcolm Honline is with us, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents and Major American Jewish Organizations, the weekly update here at JM and the AM. You know, it's interesting, the, um, uh, I don't know when we last spoke about I know we mentioned it last week because it was a decision that was uh, ready to be made uh, in terms of Ehud Olmert and his situation. But I think at, at different points in the last couple of years, um, we discussed how, I don't know if Israelis were, were numb to the whole thing already or, or they had, uh, you know, they were, they, as you said last week, a little bit sick and tired of the whole, you know, all the scandalous stuff that hits the papers in terms of government officials. But with all of that and all the background, I think there was something devastating about the final decision, the conviction that came through this past week of former Prime Minister Ehud Olmert. Is that just me because I don't like these types of things in the headlines? Or would you say in Israel it also made a tremendous impact? Tremendous impact. And I think that uh, your earlier description is right. I think people are, are sick and tired of it. Uh, I told them that they could have a government in exile with the uh, a former president, former prime minister, all these others who, who are going to prison. But the, it is not a laughing matter. It's the image of Israel to the world. You know, every country has it. It's not unique to Israel. I don't even know if it's disproportionate. But what was it about this? What was it about this week? It, it, it got me, and I'm sure as you're describing, it got so many people, especially in Israel. What do you think it was, especially for those who expected it? What was it that was so devastating? First of all, because of the level the person was prime minister, and second, and although most of the crimes, I don't think that they alleged anything took place when he was right. uh, prime minister, but Olmert also had such close relationships with people in the West, including myself. Uh, as mayor, he, he was engaged with everyone. There had always been rumors about uh, you know some shenanigans going on, but this the, the devastating nature of this after. Uh, his longtime assistant turned, and she didn't end up giving testimony. Now she's giving testimony that we could see another case being introduced against Olmert and uh, uh, on further corruption, and it, it involves businessmen, it involves others who, who, who gave him uh, very significant amounts of money. I, frankly, I don't think he was a good criminal. Anybody who leaves $150,000 in cash in his office uh, has got to have raised certain questions, yeah. and and to the, the extent of it, but it, you know, it comes at a, a, a on the heels of so many other cases over the last years that it's a cumulative effect where people, and I believe there needs to be some reform, uh, and and a really hard sentence that that he that the message is clear to other Israeli politicians that it won't be tolerated. And look how many other people went down in the same case, right? A whole list of people were convicted that day. Well, 11 people were convicted, but, uh, and again, it, it isn't over. It's still, there's there's still investigation going on, and as I said, another case with, with other people involved, and with her turning state evidence, she knows everything. She was his, you know, many, many year assistant and, and intimate and, uh, in, in, this, in the uh, his dealings. Right. Knew all that was going on, took the often the the cash, and uh, may may vindicate or or underscore the testimony of somebody from the states who, who had earlier seems like many years ago gave <laughs> testimony against Palmer. Um, 
when he's sentenced later this month, do you assume there'll be jail time? I do. That that will be some scene, huh? It'll be very sad, I think, not just for him and his family, but I think for Israel. And it's a message that, that Israel holds to account even the most powerful figures uh, and uh, nobody escapes justice. Right. Um, before we get back to the Middle East, any reason to suspect that the Fort Hood attack of this week was jihad-related, like the one five years ago? No. Nothing I, else? I've asked the question in the latest last night, and no evidence of it. There are elections everywhere. We talk about the ones in Egypt in, in June, but I didn't realize this week there were election, local elections in Turkey, which were described as a victory for Erdogan and will help him propel him to another term as president. In Turkey, is that how you would uh, analyze the results of this week? Yes, he, he ended up with, I think, 44% of the vote. His party did. Right. Um, there are a lot of accusations of, uh, of corruption and distortion in the polls, uh, and it would not be surprising. I think he, he, uh, he, he doesn't want to become president under the current terms. He wants to have a much more powerful presidency, but he is citing this as a mandate for him. And as you know, he has cracked down on everything from Twitter to to uh, uh, the political opponents, uh, imprisoning hundreds of generals, journalists, law, uh, judges. I mean, he's going after everybody that could pose a potential challenge uh, to him. So this this was not the expected outcome. I think that people expected the AKP party, that's Erdogan's party, not to have done as well as it did. And uh, he could ride it for now. The, uh, when is the national election? Very soon? Well, there are both parliamentary and presidential elections next year. Next year, meaning 2015? I think 2015 is the uh, is the presidential. And in Afghanistan, there were also elections this week, right? Yeah, today. Oh, today's the election. And they are expecting the U.S. to complete its um, assistance program in Afghanistan at some point in the next year? Well, they haven't renegotiated the deal, as far as I know, and I think, uh, yeah, there will be expectations of an American pullout. And Cars and I, our good friend, uh, turned against. He can't run again, so there will be other people coming into power. You also have May 26, the Egyptian elections, 26 and 27. Oh, it's May. I thought it was June, so it's May. No, it's in May. Uh, a lot of things that are going to be taking place that are going to be very interesting. Uh, you know, in the Turkish election, six people got killed. So you know the level of uh, intensity, violence. Many people accuse the uh, police and officials of, of intimidation in, in the process of that election. I don't remember if it was Turkey or Afghanistan where they said people would stay home because of the threat of, uh, you know, attacks. You know, that's about the Taliban. That's in Afghanistan. In, Afghanistan. Um, in Turkey, you have a more and more repressive uh, regime, and the impact on society is, is felt, and there are people... I think more people may leave, uh, if, if, although the economy has not been bad as bad. And uh, what's the greatest fear? What's the greatest fear in Afghanistan for the West that that there'll be no control at all over the Taliban, over Al Qaeda, because of no they're coming back? And they're, you know they're going to fill the void as the U.S. leaves, and that we're going to go back to the, to the earlier situation. And uh, it, I mean, all these years later. It's a, you know, I, I, could, and, uh, all these years. But look at look at Iraq. It's you you can see what is the fear for for Afghanistan is that we're going to see what we see in Iraq today, which is a a government aligned with Iran, um, supplying people into Syria, the transfer point for the weapons that were on the Class C 
from Syria to Iraq to go to to the Gaza to um, to, to Iran and of course going to the Gaza and still at no price uh, and no consequence for Iran for for doing this or many other things that that it's done. But if you look at Iraq, you understand what is the potential danger that despite the huge trillions of dollars we spent, lives lost. We're seeing, uh, uh, at best, a split, an east-west split, and the uh, Sunni-Shiite split. But that Iraq has turned into, again, a, a staging ground with Iran even more influential than it was. And does the technological era, as it stands today, help more than in the past? I mean, is there a way to monitor all this without having men on the ground in every one of these countries? Well, drones and other things play a role in Afghanistan. You see how, how the U.S. has used them. But, uh, but frankly, boots on the ground, intelligence on the ground. Israel's learned it in the... In but do you know how many countries we have to cover then? Well, we're not going to. I mean, it, it, a part of the problem is America withdrawal, but also because the, the credibility of the West in these countries is so diminished that uh, people feel that it's open season and that they can do what they want. Um, it's... Uh, and and the increasing message, I mean, when we look at, at, and I think particularly the events in Iran are, are what is important. Look how Iran slapped the United States and the West, but particularly the United States, by appointing as its ambassador to the U.N. The, one of the guys who held 55 Americans hostage for 444 days in Tehran. Right. He's the U.N. ambassador. And God, there are senators now working to deny the visa. Oh, the administration will. I know that they're they're talking about it. But it, it, it is unbelievable. And you see Iran's uh, provocations, whether it's, it's their submarines in the Gulf doing things, whether it's support for terrorism globally, especially in South America and uh, other places, the, the, um, how they're organizing Hezbollah intelligence now for further crackdowns, how the, the negotiations with, uh, with, with Russia now for a $20 billion deal of oil for goods and two more reactors, but amongst those, quote, goods, are, are missiles, new missile shipments and things, uh, and, and they keep going ahead and doing these things. And, and what is the response that we see in a Voice of America broadcast? American officials praise the Khamenei for a fatwa, a religious ruling, banning the development and use of nuclear weapons, yet nowhere does this fatwa appear. There are 493 published, and, and there's a website of, of Khamenei. Nowhere does it mention such a fatwa. So what price is there? What, what, when they look at this and they say, what, what is the price that is paid for those who engage and violate their understandings and who uh, provoke, so it becomes open season? Spoke this week with somebody who left Syria in the year 2000, and uh, they said that, frankly, Israel needs Assad to remain in power in Syria. If not, if in fact he's toppled, the chaotic situation that will commence in the Middle East will be impossible for Israel to deal with. Do you think there's anything to that theory? Yes, uh, there are a lot of people who think that, and that the the best thing right now is the status quo in a sense, uh, not that uh, so many people, maybe 200,000 have been killed, and you know, a million refugees from Syria just in Lebanon and that a very significant part of the population internally and externally are, have been uh, refugees. And, uh, but, the, but the bottom line is that there's no one there, none of the parties, that would be acceptable, that would be better. We, we don't see 
you know, forces of, of moderation, quite the opposite. Iran has extended its influence there. Uh, Hezbollah has extended its influence. They had a big victory in that village that we talked about near the Lebanon border, but it's a supply route, and we see the new assertiveness, and then the response, but the, the um, I think that the anti-Assad forces are, are, are weaker today. So you may have just this continuing, and there's no evidence that Assad will be out of office anytime soon. Uh, we have to be concerned about the continuing fighting and the training of thousands of people, and we see already the ramifications that the Prime Minister of Britain uh, said that they have to investigate about the, the both about the Muslim Brotherhood and about these guys and about attacks in the Middle East and, and coming to Great Britain. But that half of the time of the MI5, their intelligence is spent on, on these guys who are fighting in Syria, the, the infiltration in Britain of different uh, Islamist groups. And, and the truth is that the same thing is true here in the United States. And we... So the ramifications of what happens in Syria is not going to be limited to its borders, but I think you're going to see Iran more bold down because of it, Hezbollah in the north, Hamas being excited in the south, shooting more rockets. It's all interrelated, and that's what I kept saying for so many years, that in the age of, of globalization, we see it. We see it there playing out on a mini-scale, but it's really happening on a global scale. Right. Well, as you've said, I mean, Iran is basically Syria, is basically Lebanon, right? It's all, it's all basically the same effort that's going on. That's why Israel has to be so concerned. And the, and the continued drive for the Shiite crescent and for, for the more and more dominant role and the, the, the uh, violations of the sanctions, you see that they have every month exceeded the uh, Iran, that is, the export of oil limitation that was placed on them. Right, and and we continued just to negotiate. There were negotiations this week. Doesn't seem that much came out of it, but the West sits at the table, and it becomes a joke. By the way, what does Assad think of? Uh, what does Assad think when he sees Putin and his activities in Ukraine and Crimea? Anything like this is a affect him one way or the other? Yes, he says you owe me a thank you. Basically, right? But it is true that right that events lead and and send messages, and it's not just in the Ukraine. Then it's China, right. in the China Sea, and, and North Korea, and every rogue state looks at this and says, look, you can get away with it. This is the time right. when the West is so weak, when the, the price you pay is so limited, and unless we really ratchet it up in, in serious ways, and I'm not talking about having to go to war, nobody wants to see right. American troops being sent everywhere, that isn't where you have to draw the line. By the way, I saw I saw an interview with George Will on this topic this week, and he, he said he the reason he's surprised that U.S. sanctions or statements are not or cannot be more effective is because of how, because we keep talking about the dependence of Europe on Russia at this point, right? We keep talking about the energy pipeline. He, he said that, that Putin is so desperate for the cash that he, does, he can't believe that the United States can't be so, and Europe can't be somewhat stronger, even if they're dependent on what's coming out of Russia, because he's so desperate for this cash flow to continue. I agree with that, and I think you could even go further that Putin, I think, is very shrewd and has handled this uh, intelligently because Russia is not a great power. Russia's economy teeters. It's, it's dependent. If we lower the price of oil significantly, Russia is the big victim of it, and he does not have the internal right. uh, economic strength. It's less money for him. It's much less right. money, much less, but he's making all these deals. He's, he's 
in the meantime, selling weapons to Iran and Syria, and people think that this is some ideological position. He doesn't want to protect his port in uh, Latakia in, in uh, uh, Tardis in Syria, because it's the only port they have in the Mediterranean, etc. But, but, and he has ideological goals and to challenge the United States. But he's signing multi-billion dollar deals with Iran, and he's still selling the weapons to Syria. And the, uh, so the, the idea that, that Russia is a great power and we can't challenge him, right. of course we can challenge him. And, and if we don't draw the line someplace, you see that now they talk about Moldova, they talk about other places. But there'll be no limit. But nobody has the, excuse me, nobody has the guts to stand up and take that risk. I mean, George Will was saying, if you offer half price, he ain't turning off the spigot, no matter what. Because he needs the money, right? Their, their economy is, is so. They should try it well, next time you speak with European leaders. I need you to suggest this to them. Oh, believe me, we do. And they don't. Nobody and I met this week with some of them, and many of them express tremendous frustration as well. But they're not showing the leadership that, uh, that we would hope. In a way, it was an interesting story that nobody paid attention to that I think is important. You know that 30 students from Al-Quds and Be'er Zaid went to Auschwitz this week, Whoa. the Palestinians, with a professor to, to study the Shoah, the Holocaust, and now they've been condemned on their return and are being threatened and uh, harassed. But they, they knew it, but when they went... And what do you think? What do you think of their premise to go? That they that these are that there are people there who who want to see beyond the moment. That even on, right. within all of this, there are still some bright lights. But I have to tell you about this billboard. Oh yeah, what's this billboard story in, in Gaza? Which no way picked up, but it's really interesting to me because it tells you what the thinking where they're headed. And you know that in Egypt uh, they're, they're going into this election, and so the whole country is tied up in it. And they're still cracking down in the Sinai and have cracked down on Gaza. In, in Hamas put up a huge billboard. And as you know, this was their way either to taunt Israelis, the West, and to, to do political advertising. But this is a huge billboard, you know, several stories high. And it has the leadership of the Arab world. And it shows Kania and Mashal of Hamas, the leaders of Qatar, Altani and Tamim, and Erdogan of Turkey. Hmm. And they put this up and send this message to to the world that these are because those are the ones who are now providing them with aid and and with assistance, and from whom they want to get more money. But the to to um, and they talk about you know getting Jerusalem back and uh, et cetera. Do you think Erdogan minds being in that company? Erdogan is is part of that company. That's exactly the message. And when we look at it and they, people talk about him, you know, that he's a member of NATO and that he's this, this is the real orientation of, of Erdogan. I think that's why the outcome of the election is, is uh, of such concern to people and why we should all be concerned uh, about what, uh, what he's done. That Turkey is, is a significant player. The economy has been badly hurt, uh, and he has a lot of internal uh, distractions as well. But I think that the fact that they put up this billboard it's, it's a political message, but it's much more than that. And, and the extension now of, of Hamas, Hezbollah, now rebuilding internally, by the way, and we know that they that they are uh, that they're helping to build the forces in uh, in Syria, but they're also trying to extend it, and they're, they're involved all over the world. The, the level of their involvement, sponsored by Iran, 
is increasing all the time. And the same thing with Hamas, with the, the new uh, assertiveness with the missiles and stuff flying over the border and attempts to shoot people, the, the big tunnels that were found. And this, these are all indications, and it shouldn't be lost because people are focused on the collapse of the process or particularly negotiations. You've got to look at what's happening on the ground all the time. Who did you mention was cracking down in, in this conversation on the social media? That was Erdogan? Erdogan was the one who closed the Twitter down. Right. And he's now reopened it, but it was actually a popular move inside Turkey. For right, I don't understand, but not amongst young people. Hey, come on! Even segments of our own community would be thankful if Twitter was closed down. Um, <laughs> As somebody who doesn't tweet or Twitter, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't care. Will you be visiting Ehud Olmert in uh, prison, or is that a private matter which you would not discuss publicly? <laughs> he's not in prison yet, so it's well, premature. Don't you want to plan in advance? I mean, <laughs> Uh, Malcolm, next week, Shabbat Hagadol, your pre-Passover message. Please prepare accordingly. (laughs) (laughs) Malcolm Holine is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Good job. Uh, 23 minutes after 8 o'clock, Erev Shabbos, Parshas Mitzorah, with candle lighting at 7.04 on this Erev Shabbos. 7.04. Malcolm will be with us next week. We will not do a weekly update, Erev Shabbos Cholomoed. But we'll gather together uh, the Shabbos, or I should say the Friday, after Pesach to pick things up. So one week off, that'll be Erev Shabbos Chol Hamoid. Mazel Tov to Frimi and ZK. The Kopels are celebrating the bris of their newborn son this morning. Mazel Tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. And um, this time each and every Friday, every Erev Shabbos. With great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Uden, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Mitzorah. Parshas Mitzorah, according to the Sefer Achinoch, contains 11 positive mitzvos. It contains within it the purification process of the Mitzorah, the one who we call afflicted with leprosy. But we must be reminded that this disease, as the Ramban points out, it happens only in Eretz Yisrael. This negebatim, the infliction of leprosy on the houses, if one heeds the wake-up call, wonderful, and transforms his nega into oneg, great. If not, it goes from the house to his garments, If he doesn't get the wake-up call yet, it goes from his garments to his body. I would be remiss if I wouldn't tell you that this week's parasha is the source of attaining purification in a mikvah for the many different forms of impurity that the mikvah provides uh, purification. And we need be reminded that Tzara'as, according to the Talmud, is very tied with the sin of Lashon Hara and how careful we have to be with our speech. I'd like to share with you, however, a fascinating medrash from Medrash Rabbah Amitzora, chapter 17, paragraph 7. And based upon the Pasuk, whereby in 
Revi'i of this week's parsha. By the Bera Hashem and Moshe Aaron Leimor, Hashem spoke to Moshe and Aaron, Kisovo el Eretz Canaan. When you come to the land of Canaan, Asher Aninosein Lochem Lachuza, that I am giving you as a possession, Venosati Negat Soraas, and I will place a Soraas affliction Beves Eretz Achuzaschem. And the Medrash takes note that it doesn't say bivate in the houses of the land in your land of Israel, which certainly that is the pshat, the literal understanding. But the Medrash has a, if I may, deeper understanding, different understanding, additional one, whereby, says the Medrash as follows, Bives in the house in Eretz Achuzaschem, in the land of your possession. Which house is that in the singular? Zebes HaMikdash. This refers to the Beis HaMikdash, the holy temple in Jerusalem. Shenemar and the Medrash substantiates this idea with a Pasuk from the 24th chapter of Yecheskel, whereby the Beis HaMikdash is referred to as his home. Then the Pasuk continues, Uba Ashaloh and literally the one to whom the home belongs shall come. And who does this house belong to? Says the Medrash, Zeh Kadosh Baruch Hu. It belongs to God. Shinemar. And the Medrash continues to cite a Pasuk from chapter 1 of Chagai, Ya'an Beisi, Ashehu Chorei. My house. So the master of the house, God himself comes, la Kohen, and he speaks, as we're told in the Torah, to the Kohen. And who is the Kohen? At the time of the destruction of the first space of Migdash, Zeyirmiyah. As we're taught in the very beginning of the book of Nosos. He was a prophet of Kohen from Anosos. And what does God say? God adheres to His Torah. The same thing that any individual is to say who notices a spot on his wall. He's to say, not nega nearly, but kip. It appears as if, or something like a nega has been found in my house. God says the same thing. What is this kenega nearly babayas? At the time of the first Beis HaMikdash, says the Medrash Zutinofes Avodazara. This is unfortunately the blemish of idolatry, which was widespread at that time. My friends, we are at a very specific time in the Jewish calendar. This is the time of Betikas Chometz. This is the time that we are searching for that Cheerio that might be under the refrigerator. Now, whether or not you have to move the refrigerator, you'll ask your local Orthodox rabbi. But, on a much more profound level, it's a time of introspection. And I believe this Medrash is telling us that it's a time to introspect not only in our own homes, but in our base Hamigdash as well. And we don't yet have the third base Hamigdash, but we do have the Mikdash Ma'at, literally, literally the miniature base Hamigdash, which is our 
individual Batei Knesios. And just as HaKadosh Baruch Hu unfortunately pointed out the Kinega, the various blemishes which were found in his home, I think it is only productive that from time to time we pause to make sure that we don't have a nega, nega in our communal homes, our bote knesios. And so, we are so attached to the smartphone and the internet on our phone that unfortunately, when Chazoras Hashatz, the repetition of the Shmonesri comes around, when someone is scrolling down and someone is texting during that time, this is an incredible insult, A, to the Beis HaKnesses, and they don't realize the terrible damage they are doing to themselves. The Gemara in Sukkah, Daf Mem Aleph Amid Beis teaches that one is not permitted to pray with Tfilin Biyado, Sefer Torah Becheiko. You can't hold Tfilin in your hand or Sefer Torah in your arms and pray. Why? Because unfortunately you're going to be distracted lest these holy objects fall. And Shmuel continues and says, Sakin. As well, you can't have a knife in your hand. Uka'ara, a plate of food. A kikar, a loaf of bread. Ma'os, money. Why? Because consciously or subconsciously, you're going to make sure that these items don't fall. If they fall, they're going to spoil. And it's going to stare. It's going to disturb your kavana, the proper concentration you ought to have in prayer. I'm telling you that you must turn the phone off. If you have it on vibrate, be honest. You're in Shmona Esrei and you feel the vibration of your phone. How many of us would be able to completely ignore it as opposed to having that who might be calling, why might they be calling, how important is it, could I, should I take a peek, incredibly, just that very kind of turmoil in our mind is nothing but a terrible distraction to our tefillah. Tefillah is an opportunity to recharge and to get closer with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But in order to do so, we have to first power down. We have to be able to focus, and only then can we connect. A kinega in our Beis HaKnesses. There are times when a stranger will come in. I don't greet him. Somebody else doesn't greet him. He might be coming in because he has yard sight. He might be coming in to say a Kaddish. He might be coming in because he feels some kind of inner stirring within his soul, but nobody greets him. He might not come back. This is a nega. If there's talking that's going on during davening, I'll tell you something. I want to buy your car. We live in the same community. You're selling your car. And so, what time is Mincha? Mincha 7.10. I'll meet you 7 o'clock in the shul. And no, you're not allowed to talk Sichas Chulin, which is literally non-holy talk in the synagogue, even when they're not davening. Obviously, you're not going to meet, talk in the lobby. 
but not in the synagogue are you going to negotiate the sale of his used car. All the more so during the time of davening. This is something that we must focus on in order to remove the nega, that all of us should have a greater oneg from our davening and from the base Akineses. And I'm going to share with you a delicious marsha that one of my sons pointed out to me. The Gemara in Megillah, Lamed Tes, Omid Chavtes, excuse me, Omid Aleph, teaches in the name of Bar Kapora that Rabbi Lezer Kapor says, Asidim in the future, the Bate Knesios, the synagogues outside of Eretz Yisrael, Sheyikavu Eretz Yisrael, will be established in the land of Israel. Now listen to this Marsha. The Marsha says that chapter 122 of Tehillim, the Tehillim of Shir Hamalos Ledavid, Somachti, I am so happy. But Omrim Li, when they say to me, Beis Hashem Neleich, let us go to the house of Hashem. Where is this and what is that referring to? Says the Marsha, and I quote, Zeha Mizmor Begolus Neamar. This Mizmor, this Psalm 122, is recited and it refers to the Jewish community outside of Israel. And therefore, why are we happy? We're happy that we're going to the base Hamigdosh. Why? Because going to our base Hakneses is as if. Next pasuk, Omdos Hoyuraglenu Bisharayach Yerushalayim. It's as if we are already in Yerushalayim. Why? Because our base Hakneses and all base Hakneses outside of Eretz Yisrael will be coming to Eretz Yisrael and Yerushalayim in the future. And therefore, Yerushalayim, the next Pasuk in 122, Yerushalayim HaBenuya, literally the built-up Yerushalayim, Ki'ir Yachdav, it's comprised of united pieces together of all the different shuls. But now, listen very carefully. What the Marsha is telling us is as follows that since your shul and my shul and all synagogues outside of Eretz Yisrael are going to be part of Yerushalayim, because, listen carefully now, he says that in the future, the Beis HaMikdash is going to be as large as Yerushalayim is today. And, listen carefully, the idea is that Eretz Yisrael is going to expand the question is, where will your shul be in proximity to the Kodesh HaKadoshim, to the Holy of Holies? If your shul is exemplary, if your shul is devoid of machlokes, if your shul is open and friendly, if your shul is one where they daven and there is not the Chil Hashem of talking and texting during davening, you have a much better chance 
that your shul is going to be in that Mizrachvant, literally close to the Kodesh HaKadoshim. And so the excitement of Omdos Hoyu Raglenu, literally, our feet will yet be Bishorayich Yerushalayim, where that depends on us. And I pray that we will succeed in removing the nega from our Botekinesios and transforming or Altfilos to Oneg. Shabbat Shalom to all. Brilliant Moshe, yes. With a guitar version of Lachado D. Oh, is that beautiful? Oh, sorry about that. JM and the AM Friday. I was mesmerized by that incredible guitar of Moshe, yes. Mazaltov going out to the. Uh, Martin family, Yaakov and Hanlah Martin and family, Yehoshua's bar mitzvahs this Shabbos, and Mazel Tov to the Berman family, Yosef and Hani Berman, Yitzchak Yaakov's bar mitzvahs this Shabbos. We say Mazel Tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. Mazel Tov going out to the Weber and Dembitzer families last night. Perala Weber and Oshi Dembitzer were married. Special Mazel Tov to Paula and Palm Pilot Penny and the entire extended Dembitzer and Weber families from all of us here at JM and the AM. I remind those of you who are cleaning for Pesach that if you have good equipment, high chairs, cribs, strollers that you're not using anymore, give them to Mothers of Multiples. They will forward them to Mothers of Multiples in need. 718, call this number and speak with Rifke. 718-253-6234. 6234. And if you uh, would like to get a free large print Haggadah for somebody whose Seder will be enhanced by a large print Haggadah, contact the JBI Library now. 
The deadline is this weekend. JBILibrary.org or dial 1-800-999-6476. 1-800-999-6476. JM in the AM with showers today, mostly sunny tomorrow. Baruch Hashem, high of 56. Candlelighting at 7.04 on this era of Shabbos. 7.04. Check out our community calendar online. You'll see some of the events that are going on in the... Um, in the community this Sunday. Safam's uh, a concert at Beth Shalom in Fairlawn is at 3.30. You'll see that on our community calendar if you go to the community calendar section of jmnam.org. They're always amazing, Safam. Uh, other events as well are up there, of course. And uh, you'll be able to check that out. This coming Sunday, we're by Jonathan Rietti at 8 p.m. at the Simcha Hall of the Agudas Yisrael of Madison a three-dimensional pictorial and visual reenactment of 6,000 years of Torah history. Is the Torah 6,000 years old? The world is 6,000 years old. Well, almost. And how Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim is central to our lives. That happens this coming Sunday night at the Agudas Yisrael of Madison on Avenue S. Information 718-253-5497. We mentioned Safam. They're in Fairlawn Sunday at 1.30 p.m. at Beth Shalom of Fairlawn. On Fairlawn Avenue, call 201-797-9321, 201-797-9321 for information about that. JM in the AM, and um, where are we here? I was sent a single uh, that's been done by Yossi and Avi Piamenta featuring Naftali Kalfa. It is a... Uh, a single entitled Yancha, and with it we're going to say Rafur Shlema to our good friend Yassi Piamenta. Yancha is brand new. Piamenta at JM in the AM. Yeah. 
J.M. and the A.M. Menucha V'Simcha from the uh, CD entitled V'Chonein. Um, a reminder that there's amazing programming even after J.M. and the A.M. Naomi Nachman, the Aussie Gourmet, speaks with Jay Buxbaum coming up. Jay will join us, by the way. The entire committee will be here Tuesday. Uh, Rabbi Schoenfeld, uh, our representatives from J. Drugs, Ronnie and Larry. Jay, of course. Some prominent OU personalities are all going to be part of our committee this coming uh Tuesday here at JMDM. Jay Booksbaum, the amazing sommelier himself, will join Naomi Nachman coming up next between 9 and 10 Eastern time on our stream at jmdm.org during Table for Two. Tomorrow night, Avrami hosts Saturday Night Seagull beginning at 10 p.m. Eastern time. And Matis hosts JM Sunday live Sunday morning at 7 a.m. Eastern time. Among his guests on Sunday morning, Tamar Ansh, who is the author of a brand new Passover cookbook for kids entitled Let My Kids Cook, or Let My Children Cook, Let My Children Cook. Tamara's Matis' guest Sunday morning. Make sure to be tuned in at jmnam.org. Here's one of the latest from Yaakov Shweki. <laughs>
Amazing brand new Shabbos selection from Yaakov Shweki, Kamu Vaneha. On this Erev Shabbos, Parshas Mitzorah, candle lighting is 7.04. Mazal Tov to Frimi and ZK. The Copels are celebrating the bris of their brand new baby boy this morning. Don't know if we'll find out the name before we leave the air, but we're trying. <laughs> Not much I can tell you. Time to say good Shabbos. It's Journeys at JM in the AM. Nothing left to do Go on home 
Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard and listen to sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial. Around the world on the web, jmtheam.org. That wraps up an amazing week here at JM and the AM. Don't forget we're back Monday morning. Don't forget we have amazing programming all weekend long at jmtheam.org. And don't forget our big pre-Pesach show with all your questions and all the answers is Tuesday. We'll start that about 7.30 Tuesday morning right here at JM and the AM. Have a fabulous Shabbos, wonderful weekend. Till Monday, Nachum Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.